uh, and it's on moving forward. It's about the momentum of change. And as a pastor uh, for many years, I, uh, I have been a witness of both in my own life and in the lives of so many people, the challenge of becoming somebody different than I am and, and how difficult that can be, uh, how challenging it can be. And this message is really about what kind of momentum, what kind of reality has to be in our life that change, real change. I'm not talking about you stop doing something. I'm talking about you or start doing something. I'm talking about there's something inside that is now new and different that makes acting different your norm. Now, in a broken world, it kind of takes both, you know? Uh, but God is always interested in us not having to override our heart with good discipline. But he's interested in our heart being transformed so that we're not having to override. So the norm God is going for with you and I is that our heart can operate out of its own essence and, and produce his character. And so, um, and so it, it has struck me, uh, in reality, most of us go to a place where we are stuck. Our ability to move forward uh, and to become somebody different is, is really kind of limited. And, and I don't think we really see ourselves as stuck. And I'm going to show kind of why. But my thought is, no, really, you're stuck. And uh, I, I really think basically we can see there's really two ways that we change. And one of those is we can listen to God. Uh, we can let his counsel become a part of our life. We can let his power uh, produce in us. And, uh, and we can move forward and see our reality become new and different. I have realized over my life and the life of others that um, we can also live my life the best way I think I can. Uh, we can ask for help from God if we need it. And, uh, and then we basically kind of are whoever we are. And, and so... It strikes me that in those scenarios, that is stuck. That's what it looks like to be stuck. We're doing the best we can. We ask for help if we need it. And it presents a whole different you. And we're going we're gonna to look at why that uh, system is really flawed. Because then for us to change requires an external force. It requires a crisis. It requires something being removed, take it away, the loss of a family member, the loss of your physical capability, your ability to do your job, the loss of a job, maybe the, a struggle in a relationship, uh, a hope or a dream being lost. All these things create crisis that force us deeper here and deeper in maybe even wise. And it's in that place that we ultimately can finally become possibly more and more vulnerable and open to the reality of God. And so, so often, it's crisis 
it's external forces that really produce change in us. It's when, it's when the alcoholic, uh, we call the term intervention, a bunch of loved ones say, you know, we're throwing the brakes on your life because you're not. We're declaring it a crisis because you're not. And so, um, so we have this way of kind of just living my life until other things force me to do something different. So I have a clip. This is out of uh, You've Got Mail. And I thought this was just interesting how this guy has built in. This is how he does relationship. So I suppose she's carrying a copy of a book with a flower in it. <laughs> Not really. Oh, she could be a real dog, man. I'm only staying 10 minutes. I'm going to say hello, I'm going to have a cup of coffee, and then I'm going to split. That's what I'm going to do. Hope she doesn't have one of those high squeaky voices like the mice in Cinderella. I hate that. Why am I even doing this? Why am I compelled to even meet her? Why? Joe, relax. You're just taking it to the next level. I always do that. I always take a relationship to the next level. If that works out, I take it to the next level after that. Till I finally reach that level where it becomes absolutely necessary for me to leave. Huh. And I'm not going to stay that long anyway. I already said that, didn't I? Yes, you did. Go. I know many people that do relationship like that. I'm going to stay until I have to go. I think that's how we do a lot of life. I'm going to stay in a bad job until I absolutely have to go, until they fire me, until they lay me off. I hate my job. My job hates me. And they lay me off, and then I'm bitter about it forever. You see, crisis has to help us make changes that we are just not willing to do. Uh, I have some, I've, I've kind of used a mountain climbing thing here. Um, you know, Pressing onward in our life uh, is going to require getting past things that look impossible. And, and so life, the way God intended it for you and I, is different than surviving. It's different than a retirement. It's different than raising your children. There is a, there's an aspect of life that God has done. Uh, in a song we sang today, talked about, you know, the wildest life you could imagine and beyond, that there's a substance to your life, a value to your life. And, and the scripture calls it, we were talking about it in the last series, you have a race to run. There's a, there was a, a, a life for you that was created before you were born. God, God knew you. He understood you. He gave you certain gifts and talents and, and capabilities before you were born and a race to run. But so often, we, we kind of buy into the world scenario, and we have lots of people to model it, and we have lots of people to measure and judge how well we're doing compared to them. And they become really the essence of our race, the guardrails of, of the reality of our own existence. But God said, that was not my design. And sometimes, 
uh, we look at I'm surviving, I'm thriving by the world standard, and that's, and that's my race. And God says, it's going to take a crisis. It's going to take something different for Bill to know, for Bill to go to the next level. When was the last time you went up a level? Some of you are going, wow, I didn't know there was a level. I didn't know there were levels. I could be in trouble. Maybe I'm already at the top. Who knows? I've, uh, I've shared some of my story. I've been stuck before. Um, I mean, stuck. And, and uh, my, probably the biggest challenge of my life was my wife leaving me and everything I knew and understood uh, was was crashing and uh, it will it will make and you know here I am you know serving God and I'm a youth leader and a youth director and and these kinds of things and I, I was doing that as a lay person I was working a, a, a secular job but uh, she and I were doing this together. See, we'd like to think that God has this, you know, there, there are certain crises that won't hit you if you're in certain roles for him. That's really not true. You know, you live in a broken place just like everybody else, and broken things happen in broken realities. And, and so... Uh, in the demise of my marriage, uh, I, I found that there was a big question mark on God. I, I felt like there was some unanswered questions that had to be answered. It's not that I rejected him, but I wasn't going to run with him. And uh, we had this uh, standoff. I was stuck. And I would go to church every Sunday, and, and I would hear the message. It would touch me. I would want to respond to it. But then I would stop myself because mm, I don't know. Um, and the whole time, the whole time, I felt like God was just putting his hand out saying, do you trust me? And an honest answer. This is where now you're honest, okay? At least he finally got me to be honest. No. That was my answer. My answer was no. I believe in you. Uh, I love you. But, and it's the, the issue of trust was about is my well being really important to you? Or would you throw me under the bus? The question was about I believe you're God. I believe you're saving the world. I'm really more interested in how do you see me because right now I don't understand you you scare me and that was my reality I I was stuck and uh, so stuckness looks like the next slide uh, you know, not sure where you go from there. And as you maneuver 
left and right and left and right. What is the problem on a mountain with maneuvering left and right and being able to go left and right all the time? You never get anywhere, do you? You don't get to the top and you don't get to the bottom. And so you look like this next guy. Uh, and now you're just hanging on. Now, hanging on, um, that, that's where the crisis really sets in. And depending on what you do with it, depending on how you see hanging on. So some of us uh, kind of get bored with trying to climb, and so it looks like this. You know, is there something else I can do? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm bored. I'm skeptical. I never wanted to go up there anyway. Uh, so some of that happens. See, now we're beginning to process. Do you see that? We're beginning to ask deeper questions, questions that we just don't ask ourselves in a normal day. And then we might do this. Uh, we might decide it's not really doable. Um, you're on your little ledge in the middle of nowhere, and you go, uh... I'm, I'm here, and I think this must be the place. Uh, some of us who are really uh, capable, we really decide to not look stuck. And, and so uh, we look uh, at everybody else walking by, and we're, we're cool. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, enjoy the weather. Uh, so we're not really... Um, Wanting to come across stuck, we can, we can, uh, we can look unstuck, so we, so we feel like. And then we get to the place where we're just surviving. And, uh, and there we are. Uh, we have snow on us, and we're, how would you like to be this guy, you know? I don't know. I want that where I could not roll over too far. And then... Uh, we ultimately, if we're there long enough, will adjust to stuck. And when we adjust to stuck, obviously, you know, uh, who's to say we're really stuck? I've got a good book. I've got a good view. And then finally, we can recognize other stuck people, and now we have a community. And uh, who knows? Maybe we're living the dream. Uh, and if you're there and you're, and you're really a capable, stuck person, then you can actually work at making stuck look very normal. And so you move in the furniture and now you're home. Um, this is... Um, I blew by my other video, but I have another video I want to show you here. Because there's something else we also do with stuck. Um, if we realize that we've been hindered, we can figure out where it needs to go besides me. If we could run that one. That's right. <laughs> they were on a comic. Let us they were going to a comic con. What? Hey! Hey, come back here! Oh, stealing is against the law! <laughs> I don't believe this. I'll call 911. What? Oh no! 
My phone doesn't have the pants. Mine oh, too. So mine. Anybody got any ideas? Nope. The only thing left to do now is assign blame. Nice going. A person steals another person's car in broad daylight. What kind of a person leaves his keys in the car? I thought we agreed this was all Kuthrapali's fault. You're right. Nice going. <laughs> car? You know, when you're stuck, it's easy to blame other people. I am stuck because of you. You're the reason I'm stuck. Or I'm stuck because of them. Or because of my boss. Or my wife. I'm never stuck because of my wife. Just using that as an example. There's lots of ways we do stuck. One of the biggest challenges is recognizing that God's intention was always that we walk forward with him. And people who walk with God are never stuck. We're never stuck. When Joseph was thrown into a pit by his brothers, God was with him. And he was not stuck. When he was sold into slavery, he was not stuck. When he was put into a prison. And how do we know he wasn't stuck? It's because he still knows who he is. He still knows who God is. He still knows there's a, there's a destiny for his life. And he's still in that place serving God and revealing the power of God to the people around him in prison. Joseph was a lot of things, but he was never stuck. He was never stuck blaming the people who falsely accused him and he went to prison. He was never stuck because of his brothers who sold him into slavery. He was never stuck because of injustice, because of greed or hatred against him. He was never stuck, even though his circumstances looked powerfully stuck. And you begin to realize that stuck is not a condition like this. Stuck is a condition here. This is where we get stuck. And God says, when you're not stuck here, you're not stuck. No matter what your circumstances look like. You see, it's why circumstances, when we're with God, don't create crisis. When the boat was being swamped with water in a storm, Jesus did not see that as a crisis. Now they start screaming at him, don't you, aren't you afraid? Don't you care that we're all about to drown? And his statement was, oh, you have little faith. You could back it up and look at it this way. Jesus could say, didn't I tell you we had stuff to do on the other side? Didn't I tell you we were going over there to do things with my father? What would make you think the storm is going to kill you? If you have an assignment, if you have a destiny and a purpose with God, focus on that and you won't be stuck. And God continues to bring healing to the places in us that make us afraid and make us doubt. Make us angry, make us hurt, make us tired, 
make us lustful, make us greedy. But you see, in those moments, God works on those things. And what happens is we change. The tragic part is some people die stuff. These are actually burial sites on a cliff. I do not want to be buried stuck. Paul, as I shared last week, he used this language. I ran my race. I finished my race. Now I'm ready to collect the reward. I'm ready to move in to that next level. He was not afraid of the end of his journey. He knew he had run his race. Uh, I pulled this out of the book of Judges. This is God's people over a 350-year period. I want you to see, it's going to take some work, my theologians here, but I want you to look very, very, very closely at this slide and tell me if you can detect a pattern. Anybody? This is exactly what it looks like. They would get into serious crisis because they didn't want to walk with God. They didn't want to listen to God. They didn't want to connect with God. They didn't want to really embrace any idea that there was actually a purpose for their own life. So they created their own purpose. They lived their own life. They did their own thing. And it wasn't God that was hitting them with lightning bolts. It was life. It was enemies conquering. It was, it was terrible. And then they get into this place in crisis where they call out to God. They say, God, help us. You see, that vulnerability begins to invite God into the process. And God rescues them. And they change and they begin to listen to God and talk to God and hang with God for about 40 years. And then they kind of forget that, and they move away from talking to God. And, and they're back to that second bullet I had that, you know, I, I, I'm going to live my life and do my best, and if I need you, I will call you, God. And God says, you won't be able to run your race without me. You won't do your race without me. Not doable without me. I'm doing good, God. Kids are fed. And I've got a couple of business deals going on. And, you know, I, I, I think I got this, but I appreciate it. And I know you're there, and I'll call you if I need you. Crisis. Despair. Pain. Suffering. God. God rescues they change. They want God as a part of the process. They want the future that was created for them. And they're, they're, they're connected with God. But then they get, I'm pretty good at this. I'm less and less and less and less. You know, we might not wait 40 years each time, but for us it might be 40 days. 
How many of us, this might be a cycle for some of us. For some of us, we go crisis to crisis without a lot of change in the middle, and we are desperate to know why. You see, I don't believe it was ever God's intention that the primary way that we actually change is through crisis. I think it was always God wanted to do a little bit of work every day. Instead of waiting three years or four years. And then even then, until it absolutely becomes absolutely necessary. And uh, just I want to go over a, a several scriptures here, uh, mainly from the Old Testament, just looking at this struggle of having God as a voice in their life. And I'm just, I just pulled out these snippets. Um, 2 Kings 17, 14. But they would not listen, and they were stiff-necked as their ancestors who did not trust in the Lord their God. No connection with God to run their race. 2 Kings 17, 40. They would not listen, however, but persisted in their former practices. 2 Chronicles 24, 19. Although the Lord sent prophets to the people to bring them back, and though they testified against them, they would not listen. That was an encouragement to come back and a warning. We've got this. Jeremiah 17, 23. Yet they did not listen or pay attention. They were stiff-necked would not listen or respond to discipline. Jeremiah 32, 33, they turned their backs to me, this is God speaking, and not their faces, though I taught them again and again, they would not listen or respond to discipline. Because so often we, in the course of a day, we just don't have God there. We're just very vulnerable that change will require something on the outside. And I'm really talking about change that changes you here. Change that resolves pain and doubt, hurt, anger, being a victim, being wounded. You see, I'm going to talk over the next few weeks how powerful those pieces are. Luke 8 18. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. I used to not like this verse. And I'll tell you why. 
I was so stuck. And I thought, that's how I feel. I don't have anything, and God has even taken away what I don't have. You know, I mean, it, it's like, that's what it's saying. You know, um, and whoever doesn't have anything, what you have will be taken away from you. We're depending on something. We're living in some way. God doesn't have to take things away from you. Satan will. The world will. The forces are there that will sabotage our lives. And when I say sabotage our lives, you might look around and see someone who maybe doesn't believe in God. Maybe they're a good person. Uh, they take care of their family and they do good things. But here's, here's what I would suggest. I, I think that's wonderful. The question is, are they running the race? Are they the world changer that God created them to be before they were born? Or are they just good at doing what the world tells us is the good thing to do? Because that's what they've been told. <clears throat> when we when we have and we connect with God More will happen. God begins to produce in us something new, something different. And it will have an effect on all of this around us. But he will remove the crisis. And I'm not saying a bad thing won't happen. I'm saying that we come to that place where we embrace that scripture that says all things come together for good for those who love Jesus, who are called by his name. My leg pain will turn into good. I had, I've had three people in the last week come up to me and uh, said, I felt like God told me to tell you something. I was like, okay, I'm ready, tell me. I mean, two of these times, they were just in tears. Said, God said, this is going to work out. It's going to be okay. I have heard this three times by people who specifically now that might not sound like it's like well people will tell you that on the street and that's a true statement somebody said it's going to work out just fine and you know you can appreciate that as just a, a word of blessing uh, you know that kind of thing and I would receive that from anybody who tells me that but these are people in tears 
telling me God said this. Now, let me tell you how I heard it, how it hits me. Because I'm talking to God on my side. And I'm saying, God, I, I believe you're going to heal me. I, and just so if you're new here, um, whether he heals me like in the middle of this room in a split second or a doctor plays the role, I, I really don't care how that healing happens. So if, if it sounds like I'm a person who won't go to the doctor, don't believe it. I've been to the doctor eight times. And I'll go eight more. I mean, I am not, I am not afraid of practice medicine. It's, it's a glorious part of God's reality. Um, but my expectation is to be healed. And those are the words, when they said these words, these were the words that I needed. And they were the words that God sent to me because in that moment, just a little overwhelmed with pain, and I, and I felt like it was God saying, it's going to be all right. We're right on course. You're not stuck. I am not stuck. My leg is not holding me back from being the person God wants me to be, and it never will. My leg or pain, neither one, have the power to stop my race. I will run my race. I will finish my race. But it won't come. I won't, I won't do well in the crises if I don't talk to God every day. If I don't process my day with him. What you're going to learn over the next few weeks, and I'll give you a little bit of a punchline. I, I broke my shoulder several years ago. Uh, and it was kind of an interesting miracle break. I didn't know I'd broken it uh, because I could lift the ice chest and climb the mountain and these kinds of things. But, you know, you have a socket in your shoulder. The socket is like this, and there's a ball in that socket. Well, what was broken is the ball was broken completely through, and, but it had not come out of the socket, which was a miracle because I was water skiing, after I broke it, seemed like that would pull it out, but I feel like God was protecting the ignorant, you know, the idiot, the ignorant, give, give me whatever. It, it was hurting to water ski. That was hurting. Um, so uh, I go to the doctor, and uh, he says, gosh, it's perfect, don't move, and about 14 days in a sling, and then they start me on um, rehabbing my shoulder. And I go to this lady to rehab it. And I've really lost a lot of range in it. So it'll go from here to about here. And so I would lay down on this uh, bed and she would take my arm and she would, you know, take my arm up like this. And then she would just start doing this, leaning it further and further back. And it is hurting. I mean, it is hurting. I'm like, that hurts. Oh, that hurts. My arm won't go there, lady. Um, I started calling her Fraulein Helga. I felt like she ran a, you know, 
I don't know, a torture chamber somewhere. And, uh, but she would push my arm, and then there would be this snap in my arm with, with pain. And I'm like, you broke it. I thought she rebroke it. And she said, no, I didn't. I just broke the part that was overgrowing that was going to paralyze your arm. It's growing to heal, but it doesn't know where to stop. So every other day, we're going to break it. Every other day, you know, just breaking that new growth that's not in the right place. And then, um, you know, somebody in our church was uh, helping me on the times that I wasn't going to therapy on those off days. Uh, she would help me, and she would have the great pleasure of bringing me pain, which I contend she did. And, um, and so cracking this, and what my, what my therapist said is, if we're diligent at this, you will get all your range back, and your arm will be great. My arm is great. doesn't pop, crack, creak. It's as strong as the other one. Daily, daily, we broke off the stuff that was not supposed to be there. If you don't break the stuff daily, then in time, you will have to break the arm to get it free. It will take surgery to get the arm free. In spiritual language, if you do not process with God on a frequent basis, then we often have to do it in surgery. It's called the crisis. Where we didn't have time before, now your leg doesn't work, you're laying on a sofa and can't move. You have all kinds of time with God. So you can go from it's impossible to now it's all I can do, which is one small crisis. It was never God's intention for our change to always have to be the product of external forces and crisis. It was always his intention that we daily walk together. You and him, me and him. We daily process the growth. The good and the bad. We daily make the small adjustments. And you will find that you can change. You can really change. Your addictions lose their power. Your fear, your anxiety, your hurt, the injustice, all those things, they lose their power. If you would stand.